you are listening to the Kinetic Man Podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm David. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living a life defined by uncommon action that is full of purpose, adventure, and meaningful relationships. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours and together achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to leave the potential life behind and become kinetic men. Men, we have a big announcement at the end of this podcast episode, so make sure you listen all the way to the end. We're starting up a new program in March called TKM Reflections, and we're going to be guiding men to take uncommon action. If you don't want to wait till the end, you can go to thekineticman.com backslash sign up, thekineticman.com backslash sign up, and go fight on your own right now. Take uncommon action. Enjoy the show. All right. I have a question to uh, the both of you to start this podcast off. Uh, Scott, how, how old are you? 38. 38. Okay. You're not quite there yet. I'm 44. Dave is the same. I felt like at about the 40 year old mark, there's this thing that started to happen where I like had to wake up every single night at like 3 a.m. to pee. And that was exactly what happened last night. 3 a.m. on the dot, had to pee. And then I wake up and my mind just starts racing and I started thinking about this podcast. Um, does that ever happen to you, Scott? That you woke up at 3 a.m. and thought about me while you're peeing? That's, that's exactly where I was that's going, exactly, Scott. He, yeah, that's he's, exactly. He's habit stacking, dude. He's habit stacking. So in the morning, that's he wakes awesome. up to pee and then his habit stack is to think about Scott. Right. And then whatever Perfect. happens. That's, yeah. It happens to me all the time. I can't stop thinking about oh, you guys in the middle of the night man. either. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good way to start this podcast. It's a great way. Yeah, that's an original way. We've never done that before. So uh, hopefully, our listeners, uh, uh, you know, our listeners and, and yours, Scott, um, that 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 this is how we introduce ourselves. This is how we. Introduce I, know, ourselves. I am similar to you, though. I, I, if I get up, because we got four little kiddos. If I get up, if I if there's a baby crying or something, and it's post three in the morning, I've just learned. Looks like my day starts. starts. I'm up running. Yeah, yep. Stack it, go. My brain starts out, running, man. Work out, read, think, pray, meditate, let's run. And maybe I'll take a nap at two. We'll see. That's but it. yeah. No, I typically crash at like 7 38 o'clock. Is that that's what happens? So I expect myself to be in bed at like eight and, and crash. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, um, hey man, I love your content. I, I love everything that you're doing, your mission. Um, and let's just get into it, man. If you could just give us a little bit of background about who you are and, and what you do. Yeah. So, uh, we have a mission to help 50 million families, uh, be financially competent kids, right? I'm the leading expert in financial literacy. Uh, we've helped about 7 million families now in all of our companies, but mainly what we focus on is how do you help families thrive, right? We call it legacy, um, when you hear the word legacy, though, it's people get a little antsy, right? Like they think, oh, well, well, family legacy means like the Trumps and the Rothschilds and the Vanderbilts. And I don't really care about all that junk because those people are all messed up, right? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is having a last name that means something and it's, and it's raising kids to blow by you in every way. So in, in values mindsets and faith and skills and financial competency and impact in the world, the value they create. How do you get kids to blow by you and not go from like rock star family generation, the next generation, you know, is spoiled and entitled and the next one's ruined, you know, like the strong men, good times, then you go weak men, bad times. Like how do you, you know, break that cycle and really short stop it, you know? So we've learned now over the last 10 years of meeting with families, we found the strategies to do that. And so that's what I do for my life now is we created dinnertable.com and we help families learn how to do this in their home. And it, it impacts their marriage. It impacts their children. It impacts their extended family and friends. It impacts their business, their growth, their minds, everything. So for me, it's like little ripples, you know, dropping stones in the pond and let the ripples go all the way to the edge. And uh, yeah, I, I love it, man. I'm obsessed over this because I have my own family and uh, here we are. So yeah, we started, first company was called Apex. It became the largest school fundraising franchise in America. Started about 15 years ago to help my wife in her first grade class. And it ended up going to thousands and thousands, almost 10,000 schools now. We've got about 600 employees. We've raised almost a billion dollars for schools. 
doing fun runs and teaching leadership and fitness and generosity. It was incredible growth. Well, I started to realize kids are not learning what I want them to learn in school, right? They're just not learning critical thinking and practical skills and financial competency. And it's not on the teachers. They're, they're following common core. These teachers are angels. My wife was one, okay? So that's when we launched Gravy Stack, a bunch of things that led into Gravy Stack, which is now the, the world's best banking app for children and teenagers and college kids to really learn how to earn, learn how to manage money, learn how to invest. And it's all through like fun gigs and missions and challenges that they do to be able to automate really the learning that they need for a successful life. So that's Gravy Stack. And now Dinner Table is the training for families. So they're all kind of under one umbrella. But yeah, that's what I do, man. I help families thrive. I love that, man. And I'm, you know, one of the things you mentioned it, this, uh, this idea of passing things down. And, and I've heard you said on a previous podcast, you talked about the difference between heritage and inheritance, right? And I loved how, um, how you yeah. frame that, because I think so many of us get lost in this idea of, of what does it truly mean to, to pass an inheritance? What does it truly mean to, to have a legacy, right? And I think so many of us are, are just confused about those ideas because well, like money, right? We, 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 we are passed down what our parents or what those who are passing legacy down know. And and quite often, unfortunately, it's just, they don't really know that much and, and it's not coming from a place of literacy or, or competence. And so that, that is just a uh, perpetuated and watered down throughout, you know, the generations. And so, so I love what you say about that. And And if you don't mind, just touch on that a little bit, the difference between heritage and inheritance. Yeah, this is one of our 18 strategies. So let's just get right into it. Um, I spent the last 10 years trying to find the best fam 100 families in the world, right? We've served millions and millions of them. I have an incredible network of people, been in a ton of masterminds, had the privilege of traveling all over the world. But my whole aim is I want to find the best families that raised kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids to blow by them. That's my metric. Some are billionaires, some used to be because they gave it all away, but uh, some are just normal families that are just crushing it in their communities. Amazing business owners, just amazing people. And the more we learn from them, the more we realized the 18 strategies that we have that we now train on. And one of them is heritage. Your kids need heritage, not inheritance. It's a last name that means something, which is way more important than how many dollars you die with. Okay. In fact, 90% of generational wealth is gone by the grandkids. So it doesn't just ruin your kids. It ruins the, the next generation after them. And what I studied was uh, what's underneath that 90%. What's underneath that number is divorce, estrangement, victimhood, entitlement, silver spoon, uh, mental health, violence, like all these crazy things that you see underneath it. You know what Jordan Peterson said one time to me? He said, Scott, the only thing that keeps um, addicts from death is being broke. Wow. And so the, the, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about what happens when you give people money that they're unqualified for. Children that have, that have a big gift or even adults that are like waiting for their parents to die to get a bunch of stuff, they're not going to risk. They're not going to take chances and grow. They're not going to create value as much as they could have otherwise, if they're just waiting to get something, right? And that doesn't mean you give nothing. It means that you have to have a strategy, right? So it's more about what you leave in your kids than to them is the point I'm trying to make. And so what we really train on with heritage, not inheritance is the values of the home. How do you pass on the last name in the right way? And it's about telling certain stories. It's about creating this culture in your home where you are calling out and celebrating the stories that, that mean what your family believes and the values you hold dear. Because kids think in story. Kids don't think on, in mission statements on your wall, right? In 30 years, they're not gonna be around a campfire at the dinner table talking about some mission statement on a wall. They're gonna talk about stories. And so your job is to be a great storyteller. If you wanna kill a family, get rid of the chief storyteller. I mean, why, why are we almost at World War III, guys? 
It's because all the World War II vets are dying. Stories matter. Stories matter. And that's what it means to have heritage. So what I tell people is, look, take your inheritance and the way you think about all this and put it into heritage. Put it into the coaching and the mindsets and the, meet, the family meetings and the dinner views that we do. Like, really focus on that. Because once your kids are like, once you've paid for half a college and let them figure out the rest or don't do college, do trade school and let them start crushing right away and not get propaganded. Like once you've covered that, you want them to take the baton and run. You do not want the bank of mom and dad open. Because if you think about inheritance, that just means that the bank of mom and dad is going to be open until you're dead. It's really what that is. And so there is a way to do gifts at 25, 35, 45 years old. There's a way to help them when they get married. There's a way to do their first home. There's a way to do car, college, their first phone. There's ways to train it up so that you don't breed entitlement and spoiling and victimhood and anxiousness, right? There's a way to do it. And that's what we want to try to help people with. So it's heritage, not inheritance. Yeah, that's so good. I'm curious, you know, you, you said that uh, you've, you've been on the search for a uh, hundred of the, of the greatest families. And, you know, we talk a lot about um, in our men's mastermind group about just this idea of, of redefining success. Like what does success really even mean? Cause I think people use the definition of success very poorly. Uh, a lot of men specifically have a, a terrible definition of success. And I'm, I'm curious, like, what does that for you and like, you know, how are you finding the most successful families, you know, quote unquote, and um, what does a good family even look like and how are you finding those? Yeah. Success is significance. People say move from success to significance. I'm like, now success is significance. It's who you loved and who loved you in your life. And with these families, there's like this smell that comes off of these families. You can, you can sense it from a mile away. And there's this Danish term, it's called Hugge. It's one of my favorite words in the entire world. It's a Danish term, it's called Hugge. It's spelled weird, you can Google it. But it's this Danish cultural term that means what is the smell of your family? What is the smell of what people feel the moment they walk into your home? What is, the, what is the scent of your hospitality, your generosity, your care, your love as a family? It's called Hugue. It's a brilliant word. I wish we had something like that in English. But I love that idea because these families that we've seen, it's like, whoa, like they're radiating in their, the way that they love each other, the way that they build each other. They value relationships, but they also value results. How do you do that? Right? Like they do these things where they build up the children in such a way, like, you know, our book value creation kid, we just put it out. It's one of our 18 strategies we put out last year. Very thankful. It's crushing. We're like number two or three on wall street journal, but it's a roadmap for families to help kids create value everywhere they go. And if you do this stuff, right, you have a value creation kid. You don't have an anxious kid or an entitled kid or a spoiled kid or a victim, a lazy victim kid. Like we know how to move them through those quadrants up to the upper right corner. And so it's just a smell. Like you just see it, man. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're both nodding your heads this whole time. You can feel it. And so that's what we look at is, all right, if you have kids and grandkids and great grandkids that all love you, love each other, and are making incredible impact and blowing by their parents, you have a recipe and I want the recipe. That's what we all want. But I think so often today, our world is valuing the wrong things. You go on social media, Tony Robbins just said this to me while I, I got to speak on Date With Destiny last month. And he said something, he said, people today day trade entitlement and victimhood all over the place. You go on social media and everybody can just pick and pull entitlement and victimhood and get a bunch of clicks and comments and followers from it. Yeah, man. That's the problem we're, that's the problem we're facing is when you raise children in that environment and then you mix that with keeping up with the Joneses, you know, everyone, everyone calls me the financial literacy expert. 
And I'm like, money is not the first thing you think about. If, if money is the first thing you go after, it becomes identity right away. It causes unlimited harm, actually. Money is not good or bad. A lot of people see it as like too good or too bad. And too good is the identity keeping up with the Joneses. Too bad is a poverty mindset, a scarcity mindset, right? But then what they do is they, they either make it everything or they avoid it altogether because it's the biggest fight in the home, kids report. They, don't, they say that actually money issues are the biggest fight in the home more than anything else. All the parent arguments and conflict are over budget and bills and job and travel and forgetting a payment. You guys know how much this costs? Money doesn't grow on trees. Do you know how hard I worked to get you this and you guys just took it for granted? Do you know how much Disneyland costs? Like they just hear this stuff. So then kids go, forget it. I don't wanna talk about money. It's a fight. And parents have no clue how to teach their kids about this stuff. So you wanna talk about something crazy that I've never talked about really publicly? Yeah. Money trauma. I'm realizing, I mean, 7 million families, you start to see some sort of links. Money trauma might be the biggest one that no one's talking about. There's a lot of trauma that happens to us when we're young. A lot of acute trauma that we remember, childhood wounds. But I don't think what any counselor or therapist is qualified to actually talk about is the money side of things that causes so much of this stuff. And money trauma, whether you are, you know, trust fund, parents paid for everything and they bought your love or coerced you with money or bribed you with money, right? Because there was a lot. Or you were barely getting by and money was like tight and everyone struggled. Both of those things cause an identity structure that impacts the rest of your life without you understanding it. It impacts how you raise your kids. And I think that money trauma is one of the toughest because it's the only trauma you work for for the rest of your life. With every other kind of trauma, guess what? Escape, forgive, heal, move, oh, you know, let it go. That's what a lot of people do with, with trauma. Heal through it, forgive, let it go. With money, you wake up and you gotta make it. You gotta work for it for the rest of your life. So it's just one of these things that compounds. And so that's why this is so critical. Like you've got to think through this with your children. You got to think through this as like, whoa, I didn't realize I just made that decision because of money and my identity around it. Happens every day. We don't realize it. Yeah, that's powerful. And you know, one of the things we talk about quite a bit and in, in, uh, it's one of our key tenants in, in the Connect Man is this, uh, this idea of finances. And, and what you said is fascinating because I think that the hopeful part of that is that there's something you can do about it, right? Like, you, you know, there are things like, I, you know, in, in our network, there are, there are plenty of dudes who um, have, have intentionally done things like cap their income, for example, right? And, and because they've, they've deeply thought about the things that are most important, where the money wants to go. And, and they no longer, I talked to a guy yesterday, but fascinating conversation. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, dude, I'm, this is the best year I've ever had from a financial perspective, not counting investments, just transaction, just the real estate transactions. He's like, I've made more in 37 days than I've ever made in this this amount of, in a quarter, in two quarters of my life. And and he said, and here's the thing that's crazy, and I loved it. He goes, because the conversations we're having, I realize I don't have to. I could potentially, if I want to, I could just take the rest of the year off and spend it with my family if I want to. Or I can do, you know, different things. And, and, and the point was that he had not considered previously that that he could just like cap his money, be completely in control of his finances and 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 the level of effort he puts and where he puts it. And then to your point, where it's going to go eventually as well, right? Like having a plan and being intentional. And, and I love what you said about fragrance. The first thing that popped in my head when you talked about, you know, the smell was when the Bible talks about the fragrance of, of Christians, the fragrance of, of faith and, and using that very specific word to, to highlight that sense, that feeling you get, it's beyond auditory and visual. It's this fragrance. It's what you smell like. And, and, you know, and I thank God that the, 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 the scent of, of faith is not what comes out of Stu's office. Cause that's not, I don't know if that's like a faith thing, but 
but it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful word picture. And, and, and while you're talking, I just had a, I got to ask this. I think it's fascinating and it, and it's, it's interesting to me that almost always when, when I talk with folks about inheritance or this idea of finances to get very intentional with it, right. To make it like, like you said, not good or bad. Uh, you know, a lot of faith-based, well, you know, the, Money is the root of all evil. No, you misquote that. It's the love of money, right? Money is just a, it's a hammer. It's a thing. And so when you talk about inheritance, I've found that most people don't seriously even consider uh, whether it's a good or a bad thing. They just feel, despite the data that you talk about and 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 what it does generationally, but, but they just feel like they assume a responsibility that I have to pass money on. And there's no context outside of, I feel a certain way and this is what it looks like. Why is that? Like, why are we so, when we have all the data about the lottery and how bad it is for kids to get, we have amazing books like Die With Zero, which is, was absolutely life-changing for me. All these different things, we still fall into this trap of, yeah, but I got to leave them. Like most of the guys I talk to, uh, you know, outside the mastermind, that's how it the conversation is like, I don't know, man. I just I just have to leave them money. Like, wow, we've made no progress. Why is that? Money is security to a lot of people. You have an entire financial industry. In fact, most of our licensees right now. So because we're licensing the dinner table content. So business owners can give it to their clients now for free. Give them the courses on family money skills. Give them the legacy workshops. They can just pick someone on their team and train up their clients and employees. We're licensing this. Churches are licensing this. Coaches are licensing this and turning it into a business, right? We have all of it automated for you to grow and become a a family coach, okay? What I'm seeing is the entire financial world is coming to us saying, no one ever told us any of this stuff. And our whole goal has been to uh, secure, protect, and and grow wealth for them. Because that's their security. That's their legacy. They literally have the word legacy there. And I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about legacy. But I think money is is security in a lot of people's minds. It's like, well, if I can just get them X amount of money to take care of them in these ways, they'll remember me in the right way and they'll be fine. Well, I was a theology major, by the way, back in college. I've studied the scriptures, man. I love Jesus. I don't pull any punches. And I could go on a tirade right now about all the things the Bible says that people misrepresent about money, like completely misrepresent. And some of them, you, I, I know you've never heard some of these. Like one of them, the idea of inheritance in the Bible is not the same word as it is today. If you look at the Hebrew, back in the day, people would leave their land and their cattle to the next generation to work it to steward it, to like, they weren't becoming entitled and spoiled and victims. They were working the land. They were farmers. Okay. That is very different than today. Okay. If you actually look at the translations to today, what that actually means is more mindsets, an inheritance of faith, an inheritance of the family values, an inheritance of the skill sets to thrive and make more impact in the world. That's true inheritance today. If you look at biblical definition, okay? In fact, you can look at a lot of people throughout the Bible that were handed a bunch of stuff and just went off the walls. How many generations of Israelites, like they finally got things smoothed out and then one generation died and they forgot to carry on the the heritage and they just totally fell away. David, King David, the man after God's own heart, the moment he's like, stop driving and building and growing and f- going to war, he literally sees a naked woman bathing on top of a roof and kills her husband, commits adultery, and then as a consequence, his son dies. Like, talk about ripping your life in two from comfort, right? Solomon, the wealthiest man that ever lived in today's terms or back then, literally just like, wrote Ecclesiastes. It's like all of it's meaningless. Like this is all worthless. And he grasping vapors. Grasping vapors, like dust to dust, screw it all. Like he even fell away in his comfort and luxury, right? 
But there's, there's just so much I could go into there. But I, I think the point of all this is, where's your security? Where does your identity truly lie? You know, the love of, the love of money is, is the root of all evil. Money's just a tool, you guys. Money makes you more of what you are. Okay, already, right now, right? That's why I hate it when people are like, well, when I make X, I'll do all these things. No, you won't. You do it now. In fact, generosity is the key to all of this. Gratitude and generosity. Like everybody asks me, what's the best money skill? Is it earn, save, spend, share, invest, protect, borrow? Those are our seven that we train on to kids and families. Share, by far, like be generous because a generous mindset cannot have scarcity involved. A generous mindset believes that tomorrow will be better than today. There's enough to go around. The pie will get bigger. It's an abundance mindset. You can't have fear and gratitude in the same mind. You can't have anxiety and gratitude in the same mind. You want to master all the other money skills? Be generous. In fact, I believe God will only give to you the level at which it flows through you. I don't know whoever said that, but I think I just made it up. Amen. God will only give to you the, to the, to, at the level that it flows through you. So when you teach children to be generous, and by the way, you can't teach a child to be generous by giving them a $10 bill to put in the offering plate. You can't buy all the presents for their friend's birthday parties and expect them to care about generosity if they just chuck it on the table and never even care. Okay. This last weekend, my seven-year-old Reagan, she went to the birthday party. We made her buy the present through Gravy Stack and the way that we set this up. She literally walks in, all the other kids, the presents are on the table because mom and dad did. They never even opened the presents at the party. It was after, no one even cared. Reagan, halfway through the party, brings up the birthday kid. They sit down in the middle of the, of the ninja gym and the kid opens her present. And they're both beaming and Reagan's like, this is awesome, I got this for you. And she saw her face and, and all the other parents are like, what is happening right now? I'm like, oh, I'm just teaching my daughter generosity for the rest of her life. Because she earned the money. She got the present, right? Generosity unlocks all this other stuff, you guys. It's, it's, it's an open hand view of the world or a closed fist view of the world. If all you think about is I got to make sure my kids and grandkids have X amount of assets, you're, you have a closed hand. The best families, almost 100% of these families that, I'm, that I've met and tr- learned and sat with, and these are friends of ours now, they have charitable trusts as their focus. They have their five do's and don'ts of what they care about for stewarding God's resources. That's the point. And now they're able to have future generations give together, which binds them closely, keeps strong values and heritage, and, and, and gives them such a sweet smell as a family. It's that easy. It doesn't have to be 100% of it. Like, I'm not saying go crazy here. I know the riches are in the niches, and I'll say something really controversial that makes everybody, like, click and comment and blah, blah, blah. I'm not that guy. It's not everything, but it better be enough to where you feel it. You know, they asked, they asked C.S. Lewis, how much is enough to give? Like, how much should I give? How much is enough? Is it a tithe? Is it pre-tax? Is it post-tax? And he goes, until it hurts. Yeah. What a brilliant response. Fantastic. Give until it hurts, man. God will only bless you to the level of which you are generous with his resources. That's the point. David Green, Hobby Lobby. He's a dear friend. His whole his grandson, Derek, they're amazing. He's one of my good, good friends. He literally was stroking checks more than their bottom line every year for decades. To give away, to help people, for ministry, for people all over the world. And he's like, God, how much is enough? And God said, you can't outgive me. But you got to prove to me first. And that's a, that's a high calling, man. You know what uh, a friend of mine said one time? He said, you, you can't take it with you, but you can pass it on ahead. It's a gut check when somebody thinks, when someone hears that, it's a gut check. 
And then they, and then you have to then answer the question. You actually, you actually going to act on that or are you going to serve money? Which one? It's just, it comes down to that. But here's another crazy quote from the Bible. You know that verse about like, let the ox mole some of, like munch on some of the wheat as it's straying the field. I'm not a poverty mindset. I think we're called to enjoy life. Blow money on a great trip with your family. Go be generous. Like we should not be like penny pinching hoarding jerks. Budget, that's smart. Frugal, that's a good thing. But we should be enjoying this life too as we build and grow and serve other people. Let the ox munch on some of the wheat as it's plowing the field. Like people are like, oh, if you get a jet, you're like such a selfish prick. I'm like, really? Because I know friends that are like one of the most generous people, some of the most generous people I've ever met that have jets and they use it as a time machine so they can be with their family and then get to that meeting in Denver and back by dinner. Like let the ox munch some wheat as they're treading the field, plowing the field, right? So all these are together in like the ancient wisdom of scripture and have been told through the ages. And I think a lot of people go awry with this stuff and they just, they see money as everything or they see money as nothing. And money doesn't have, you know what money is? Money is a store of value. That's it. That's why our first strategy that we teach is these best families in the world, they teach their kids to create value first, not money. Money is an outpouring of creating one type of value, which is called material value. If it's what you create and produce in the world. But there's also emotional value. It's how you think and feel and help other people think and feel better. It creates value. Spiritual value. How you connect people out of their selfish self and up to something higher, to God, to a higher calling, to a mission. Great cultures do this. Spiritual value. There's lots of value that's created. And if we teach our kids to have a lens to look at the world by creating value first, everything is good from there. That's the best form of parenting you can ever have. Ask your kids every night before they go to bed, who'd you create value for today? It's mm, a good question. It's the best question I've ever heard to ask kids, period. Who did you add value for today? And they just use those three lenses and they find out, oh yeah. And then they start looking for it on their own. You don't even have to babysit them. That's a life of success. That's good, man. Man, that's huge. I'm curious, um, you talk about creating a home economy and I know Gravy Stack does that, but explain to our listeners what, what a home economy is and, and why is it so important to create an heritage and not inheritance? Yeah, so the home economy is, we learn this again from all the families, none of them did allowance. Allowance. What do you say? Allowance is socialism. Is that you said? Allowance is socialism. Yeah, that was my <laughs> first million view video. They got That's so many click. haters. I got so many haters. And then all the mama bears were like, he's right. Yeah, allowance causes codependency. And so this idea of allowance and chores, even the idea of allowance and chores are 100 year old thinking that really has never worked. Um, chores alone, I'll talk about in a second because not all of them are bad, but a lot of the way that we set it up today is totally wrong. It doesn't prepare kids for the real world, but allowance is codependency. I mean, you can't, your kids, they do not need to learn how to spend your money, right? They will spend it or they'll hoard it, right? But if you just give them stuff for existing, it, it just creates more long-term codependency. But then if you say, well, I give my kids allowance for chores, your kids should never earn the same amount of money every week, period. Because it doesn't create value creation. You have to teach them this connection. And half those chores should never have money involved. You should never pay your kids to like make their bed, clean their room, dishes, trash, homework first. This is their role in the family. If you want to keep my last name, you're doing these things, right? And then the other half of chores needs to be an unending list of ways that they can earn, okay? 
and then they'll do it in the community and then they'll do it with trading assets. We have these stages of earning that we teach. So you can't just do this like simple list that you have conflict over every week and then most people still give an allowance and then it doesn't teach them anything. And then the worst problem is when parents go, well, I don't do allowance, don't worry, I'm good. But I just make my kids do all their chores like they're told. Okay, you have compliant children, good job. But you're paying for everything. You're buying everything. Now money is still the same problem that we've been talking about this entire interview. What you gotta do is do the home economy system. The home economy system is three simple E's and we apply it in the Gravy Stack app if they need a simple tool to do it easily. Because most parents, they end up getting like a whiteboard or a Google sheet or a checklist or something on the fridge and they do it for a couple months and they're like, okay, I'm tired, this is dumb. They run out of dollars and quarters and stuff. Maybe. Yeah, and I've everybody. Oh, 90% of people that try this, they like, it's great, but it's annoying and I don't have time and we're busy. So Gravy Stack, our app, it's, it's free to download. You just get the app, they get their account, their debit card, and you, it's an automated, auto-repeating system of gigs. We don't say chores because that's a turnoff for kids. We say gigs because gigs are way more broad and fun and teach practical skills. So the first E is expectations, the things you don't pay for. That's their habits they're forming. I already mentioned those. The second E is expenses. Here's where all parents go wrong. They think their job is to buy everything because that's what a good parent does. But the truth is, if you want your kids to start to learn financial competency, they need to be responsible as early as age six years old for a bunch of different things around the house. Games, toys, sports, birthday presents for friends, social outings, cavities, for God's sakes. All these things that parents could do a quick audit and be like, wow, why aren't my kids paying for that? They should be in charge of that. Well, they don't, they don't do that because they don't think about ways to give the kids easy ways to earn and create value around the house or the neighborhood. So the third E, if, if you pass off the second E, which is expenses, and now parents have saved themselves hundreds of dollars a month that they can now pay their kids to do gigs, okay? And gigs are not the expectations, they're the extra pay, that's the third E, extra pay opportunities. So these gigs are a huge list of really fun things that they can do around the house or brain gigs to learn to use their brain to create value. And it teaches them all these capabilities for the real world. And so we have all this in a simple list, but it's like, you know, sweep garage, make a meal, clean a bathroom, organize a closet, right? If you implement that system and then you add in brain gigs, which are like, hey, we're gonna do a, do a subscription hunt, 10 year old, can you cancel all the subscriptions we didn't want or need that we were forgetting about? By the way, the average family that does that one game in Gravy Stack saves like 550 bucks right away. Coupon hunts. Plan the next family trip on a budget. You want your, get your kids to like save you two grand on the next trip? Have them plan it on a budget and then they'll own it and love it and remember it for the rest of their life. There's like a hundred of those things that we do. Hey, here's a podcast or a book or a YouTube. If you watch this and tell me two things you're going to do differently in your life, you get five bucks. They're called brain gigs. There's a ton of them. They're not learning them in school. You might as well make it fun and, and pay them because it is creating value for them and for you, right? So you add in all these brain gigs and action gigs together. Now the kids are on fire. They don't need you to tell them to do anything ever again. No more conflict over chores. They won't ask you for money and stuff ever again because they just know where to go. The auto weekly printout of gigs is on that fridge. It's auto repeating and it's one click pay in the app. One click. And the kids do it. And that's how they learn to budget. That's how they learn delayed gratification. That's how they learn the price of goods. If you're listening to this right now, do your children know the price of eggs? Do they know the price of the underwear they wear? Do they know the price of the basketball that they're playing? Like, no, most children have no clue. We need to give them these trade-offs between goods and price of goods. Let them make the decision to buy these things or not. And then when it's on them, they rise to the occasion. The number one thing people say about our home economy is that my kids went from arguing over who has to do chores to who gets to do gigs. Huge change. That's huge. So yeah. yeah. I love there that. You go. 
and, and I think I think it was you that said which this just this quick thing that you threw out there. I'm pretty sure it was you. You said treat your kids as if they're two years older. Like give them responsibilities yeah. as if they're two years older, right? And and when I heard that, I immediately started doing that. And and it's it's fascinating how um in so many ways they step up, right? Like I've got, you know, now my seven year old boy and my 10 year old boy, they routinely come home and like start turn the oven or turn the stove on and, and, and they start cooking their own, you know, I mean, they're open flames and they're toast and bread. And my kid loves avocado toast sandwiches, but he cooks the whole thing, right? Like one of them is all about egg whites only. And he's flipping them. And I mean, just yesterday he's like, dad, can you help me flip this thing. I, I have a trouble. I'm like, well, dude, you just have to get a bigger pan and you know, but like little stuff like that. Right. It's so basic, but, but at the same time, it's not basic. Not a lot of seven-year-olds are cooking their own food. Right. No. And I'm not saying not because I'm a great parent at all. It's because just said, Hey dude, like if you're hungry, go ahead and make it. And they did, right. They, they did. And it's pretty fascinating. Um, Hey, you know, we don't have a ton of time left. I want to ask this question because I think a lot of people that are listening, I think there's a, there's a natural tendency, uh, no judgment here at all. Uh, but I think there's a natural tendency to be like, man, that, that's just so much. It's so big. I'm overwhelmed. So I'm not going to take any action or my kids are too old. Like, what would you tell those folks? Like, Hey, it's not too late. You know, it, you know, what, how would you encourage people to take action and to actually implement these things and, and, and step forward? Number one question I get asked, believe it or not, is this, where were you 20 years ago? So gravy stack, the app, like if you're listening, literally just pull up your phone and download the app. It takes you five seconds. Okay. It's called gravy stack. That's an easy win. If you have kids ages six to 22. Just do that. Free to go. Um, start doing the gigs model in the home economy. There's your win right there. But this idea of legacy, you know, people, when I told you earlier, they're like, oh, I don't want to be a Trump or Rothschild. More people, they go, oh, I'm not qualified to have legacy. I've been divorced. I've had issues in business. My kids are estranged or they're just struggling. My, I hate my relatives right? My in-laws suck. And they have all these things that they put in their brain to disqualify themselves so that they can be in static mode and have inaction. Well, the definition of legacy is this, the actions, events, and relationships that have a long lasting impact in somebody's life. So guess what? You're all going to have a legacy, period. You can't escape it. The question is, do you want a good one or a bad one? And our 18 strategies that we train are all simple. Like you just put them in place. They're all actionable. You can, so you can see immediate transformation with all of them, like immediate. And so with us, we say, it doesn't matter if you have no kids, young kids, co-parenting, grandkids, adult kids that are in your basement at 30. Oh, who cares? All these strategies you can implement wherever you are. And anything that's happened in your life is a setup for the future, not a setback. I truly believe that all that's happened to us in our life is a setup, not a setback. Like, this is why I love Jesus. He's the king of taking terrible, difficult things and transforming them into gold. And a lot of our strategies are like that. So if you want to just take the next step, go to, we have a, a link, just go to info.dinnertable.com and we'll give you the 18 strategies. Put your info in. If you want to have a call with one of our lead, our experts, our legacy experts, they'll walk you through exactly what to do. If you want to license our stuff for your family or your business or your clients, we'll talk to you about that as well. But you've just got to take the next step. None of this is like crazy. You got to go get a PhD. This is like simple calls. We have a big group of families that are all incredible. And we go through like a strategy a month, simple workshops, courses on the family money skills. It's actually fun when you do it because you know, it's not fun sitting in struggle and pain mm. and, and worst, not knowing if you did a good job because parenting is literally like planting seeds. You have no idea for like decades how you did. And so with us, we're like, well, let's just get the watering, right? Let's get the, the plants propped up straight and get the right soil. It's that easy. Like just, and then you're going to feel a lot more comfort and, and peace knowing, all right, they're off on the way they should go. 
and our family is stronger, we're happier, we have more, much more peace, and we got a good plan. Simple as that. So there's my response. Or you can just sit there and be in pain and worry and then forget about it for another year until it gets worse. It's up to you. It's hate but, you and they have no relationships with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, 93% of all the time we get with our kids is done by the age of 18. Yeah, man. That's scary. Gone, man. So you could wait another year or you could take action before they're all out of the house and trying to figure it out in the world. Because if you don't teach them the good stuff at home, they're going to learn the bad stuff in the world where it's the, the stakes are high. So these are just little wins. The last thing I will say is a lot of parents are like, I think it's a crapshoot with kids. You ever heard this? Where they're like, you have kids and I know some of the best families in the world and their kids are terrible. I know some of the worst. This, this person came from the worst situation ever and they're amazing. It's like, yeah, that's, that happens. But you know what's better than that? A plan, right? It's like, you just need a plan because I, I actually don't believe that like God gives us lottery ticket children. I don't believe that. I think that's a lie. If you're just like, it doesn't matter what I do. They're either going to be awesome or terrible. I think that's the worst kind of parenting. It's like, no, I want to get this stuff right so that I can give my kids like the best strategies and development possible to blow by me in every way. What better feeling would it be for like you as an old person with adult children being like, yeah, they've blown by me in every way. It's unbelievable. It's like the biggest joy. You know what I mean? And they actually love you for it. They don't hate you for it. You know what I mean? Oh, man, like you're only as happy as your least happy kids, so they say. So David's, why not set it up to win? You know, David's already got the win. Like his kids have already blown by him like a long time ago. So so he's good. Yeah, they're eating white egg whites and avocado toast. It's seven and 10 years old, dude. Yeah. But at least they're making it, dude. At least they're making it. Yeah. And now I need to, the next level is have them pay for that. They need yeah, to buy okay. the avocados and the bread and, uh, and make me some sandwiches. Actually, I tried my, butt, my, my little dude's sandwich yesterday and I was like, dude, this is really good. Like, can I have it? And he's like, no, dad, I made it. Okay. But give me a bite. They give me a bite. Scott, this has been fantastic, man. Uh, I, I love, I love everything you're doing. I love your mission. I love everything, man. I, I've got Gravy Stack already downloaded. I'm gonna be signing up for a dinner table immediately after uh, this call. Um, got, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. I know uh, you have a book out there, Value Creation Kid. You have a podcast, Gravy Stack. Anything else that we need to put in the in the show notes? Nope. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's all you're doing. That's all I'm doing. We try, to keep it, we try to keep it all under one umbrella. Like if you get dinner table, you get gravy stack included. We send you the book. Like we try to keep it all in a package. But yeah, I mean, we do all these things for families. We just try to help families. I love it. Love it, man. Well, thank you for, for uh, coming on our show. Um, and uh, we'll put all that in the show notes. Guys and gals, this stuff is awesome. Make heritage, not inheritance for our children and our children's children. Take action. Let's go do it. Take uncommon action. Yeah, Thanks, I love Scott. it. Hey, hey, Scott, thank you so much for your time. And and really, I just want to encourage you to, you know, the the goal of 50 million families already reaching six, seven million families. Uh, there's so much blessing inherent in that that you, you have no idea. It's a scale that only God knows. And, uh, you know, when you talk about passing it forward, that's just not inheritance. That's just not money. That's not monetary. Uh, that is influence. That is uh, impact and, and something that I, I fully believe you're going to be blessed beyond measure and and God is going to, uh, you're going to be able to hear, Hey, job well done, my good and faithful servant. Right. And that's, that's the goal. Like that is the ultimate, uh, goal of, of, of our lives is, is to hear job well done, my good and faithful servant. And, and man, you're doing that right now. So I just, uh, just want to encourage you and, and honor you in that. And, uh, God bless you, brother. You're blessing so many keep crushing it, dude. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks guys. Thank you. Hey, would you be interested if I told you that I have a four-step framework to become super successful and incredibly good looking? If so, grab a pen and take some notes, because here we go. Step one, define what success looks like to you in your life and the most important aspects that you say are a priority. Not someone else's definition, but your own definition. From that, create a vision that breaks it down into daily action steps. 
Step two, take action. Turn those steps into habits, track them, and know that there'll be challenges along your journey. Step three, surround yourself with like-minded people that will hold you accountable to what you said you wanted to do and know that they'll also be there to lift you up when it gets hard. Step four, live in those newly created habits to form you into the type of person that you want to become through calendar level type change. We call it getting real at TKM. We reflect, we execute, we account, and we live. And we've discovered that you can accomplish anything with that framework. And that's exactly what the kinetic man is all about. We take uncommon action to live with no regrets and say yes to our best life. Now, most of this gets done inside our high-level mastermind that meets every week, but we've had great feedback and we decided to start a new program called TKM Reflections, guiding men to take uncommon action. We're starting it in March and we're going to meet once a month to guide you through redefining success in nine critical aspects of your life, which we call the kinetic life circle. You'll be asked some really hard questions. You'll be surrounded by like-minded warriors and you'll walk away with a new definition of success and an action plan to live a life without regret. Here's what you get. You'll get video recordings to build your foundation. You'll come away with a new identity, core values, and a purpose. You'll have monthly live and recorded one-hour video calls with the TKM staff. You'll get a downloadable copy of the Kinetic Life Plan, which is 50-plus pages of incredible content. And you'll get a community of men that you'll know fully and will call brother. And we're adding on some bonuses that normally only the mastermind members get. You'll get access to four monthly level up videos from our podcast guests. You'll get access to the quarterly investor pitch day, which is incredible. And you'll get access to our annual private retreat here in Colorado that's only for members. So you might be asking, who's this for? And I'll honestly say that it's for every man that's ready to step it up and live a life without regret. It's for the man who wants to redefine success and say yes to his best life. So now is the opportunity. Jump on this. Go to thekineticman.com backslash sign up. Again, thekineticman.com backslash sign up. Go take uncommon action. We'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Connect Man podcast. If you are growth-minded, community-focused, and willing to take uncommon action to redefine success and live an abundant life, visit our website at www.thekineticman.com to see all the ways we can connect. And on our website, you can find more information on everything we're doing, like joining our meetup page to get the details on our webinars and our local Thursday gatherings here in Colorado. From our site, you can also find more information on and sign up for the next Kinetic Man Retreat and the next house of our mastermind group. Finally, we always appreciate your love and support. Please share this episode and go rate us on your favorite podcast player of choice. Thank you again. Now go take uncommon action.